Hello, and welcome to the Pathmic Psychiatry for Primary Care podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's topic, Stigma Around Mental Illness. This is Whitney Landa, your Education Director and Psychiatrist in the Palo Alto location. Mental health stigma has a huge impact. Patients with mental illness are less likely to seek treatment, less likely to complete treatment. They're also less likely to be offered treatment. And when they have a diagnosed mental illness and a different illness, they're actually less likely to receive the same care another patient would that didn't have a diagnosed mental illness. Patients treated by physicians who themselves have high levels of mental health stigma actually get much worse care. And you'll see in the show comments all of the resources for the information I'm presenting today. So I won't go through each listing in the podcast itself, but if you want that information, it's in show notes. Um, But it's pretty significant. And I think we really need to focus on ourselves when we think about mental illness stigma, because we're going to be much more effective at helping patients with it if we really confront our own internal biases. And it's really woven into our culture. Even in psychiatry, we have this. And we talk about functional versus organic, as if functional means people are making it up or it's somehow different. When we know that mental illness is organic, and we'll also say things like med versus psych. So psych isn't part of medicine, it's different. A lot of times people use the terminology, is this real or not? Even when people request consults, do you think this is real? Uh, With, of course, the implication that it's being faked. And while there's some malingering, we know that truly mental illness is physical illness. It's coming from the brain and the body. And physicians actually, in a lot of studies, are shown to have higher levels of mental health stigma than the general public. And physicians are less likely to seek treatment for themselves for mental illness than the general public. And I think one of the components of this is we often think of mental illness as either fully in our control or completely out of our control. Like there's very little we can do for it. And we know that's not actually true. We do have effective treatments. And I liken things like depression and anxiety to hypertension. Some people will be diagnosed with hypertension, they'll change their diet, they'll exercise, and their hypertension will be controlled. And some people, they can be the fittest, healthiest people in the world, and they're still going to have hypertension and they need an antihypertensive. There's really not much different with depression and anxiety, except for our own internal biases. And for physicians, thinking about this in that way, that this is a biologic illness, and it's just like hypertension, it's just like asthma, Some of it is within our control through lifestyle factors, and a lot of it isn't. That really helps physicians decrease their mental health stigma. So if you're thinking about this and kind of having some uncomfortable feelings, your own internal biases, I recommend you spend some time reading about the biologic basis for mental illness because it will help you decrease your stigma. This doesn't work for patients. So When talking with patients, if you make it a purely biologic illness, it actually increases their stigma. Um, And again, those references are in the show notes, Um, but that's really important. So you want to do that and then add the psychosocial piece. And that seems to be the best for helping patients confront their stigma. And you really want to emphasize that it's treatable, it's controllable, and decrease any sort of sense of blame around it. 
you know, it's as much your fault that you have depression as if you've had hypertension. It's pretty much an equivalent thought process around that, but we don't have an internal stigma or bias around hypertension. Some other ways to help people decrease their own internal stigma if you're talking with them about their having depression or anxiety is something called intergroup connectivity. So, uh, you know, when they're talking about generally decreasing mental health stigma, they talk about sharing. So if you had your own experience with depression or anxiety, you would share it. Uh, I think that's sometimes appropriate with patients. And in psychiatry, we tend to not be on the sharing side of the spectrum. Um, and so what I do when I talk to patients about this is, you know, I don't say, oh, I've, I've struggled with that or, you know, my friend struggles with that. I say, you're really in good company here. And the pandemic, thankfully, has uh, decreased this. It's a silver lining of the pandemic that the stigma is decreasing. And that's because the rates have gone up so much. We all know we're facing this acute mental health crisis. But during the pandemic, the incidence of depression has been as high as 30% of the population. And the incidence for generalized anxiety disorder is around 40%. So what I tell people you know, for depression and anxiety, we're looking at an incidence for 70% of the population is going to meet criteria for that diagnosis in their lifetime. So when people hear that, they're like, oh my gosh. But they also realize there's nothing unusual or abnormal about having depression or anxiety. It actually makes you more normal to have it than not. And that can really help people feel better about it. And also, especially for teens, I find that if I figure out a little bit about their favorite celebrities. Um, It helps if those celebrities have been open about their mental health because it, again, forms this connection like, oh, I'm like this celebrity or I'm like these other people who have this. There's nothing wrong with me per se. And again, lots of people have hypertension. We don't even think about that. But we have this own internal bias. So if we can think of ourselves as like other people, this is totally normal. It's not my fault, but there's something I can do about it. It's treatable. It really helps. Another thing we really need to do when we're thinking about mental illness and talking about it with patients, but even if you're just thinking about it to yourself, note your language. A lot of people will say, oh, he's so ADHD or yeah, I'm so bipolar. Like it's an adjective or part of your personality when it's really not, it's an illness and I can pull 10 kids with ADHD and they'll be completely different kids. They'll all struggle with controlling their focus. But like I can pull 10 people with hypertension and they're completely different people. It's the same thing. It doesn't define your personality. And the tricky thing with mood disorders is sometimes they can change your personality while you're in an episode. And I'll tell people that you don't have a depressed personality. When you're depressed, you feel like that. When you're out of the depression, you'll see that you're wrong. And people don't always believe me, but when we pull them out of the depression, they see I'm right. And I I spend a lot of time talking with them about this. This isn't who you are. It's something you have. And we really want to normalize treatment. And I think as you're talking about this and you're talking about the incidence of these illnesses with depression and anxiety, it's really easy to normalize treatment. You know, SSRIs are one of the most commonly prescribed medications in the country. And so lots of people take these medicines. It's very common. Again, if you're in that 30% that's never had an episode of depression or anxiety, you're actually the less normal one compared to people who have. And you want to watch your tone of voice a lot too when you talk about this. 
And I've had my own experience where I was in a new primary care doctor's appointment, not at PAMF. And uh, when she was doing my intake, she said, oh, and um, I mean, do you have any mental health issues? I, I can definitely send a referral to psychiatry. You don't even need to talk to me about it. It's totally fine. And I gave her some strong feedback because if I needed the referral to psychiatry, she would have actively discouraged me from telling her about my mental health and taking her up on that. She made it very shaming and basically told me through her body language and her tone of voice that she didn't want to hear about my mental health. So you want to be really careful about your tone of voice to talk about it as you talk about any other symptom normalize it, really think about your own internal biases because they do leak out with patients, right? Even if we're trying really, really hard to hold them in, they're there and patients can sense them. So to address mental health stigma during this mental health awareness month of May, I really encourage you to start with yourself. Think about your own internal biases. If you have one, say people with schizophrenia are scary. I encourage you to read about schizophrenia, read about the organic causes of schizophrenia, and see if you can meet someone with schizophrenia if you don't already know them. Or if you have a patient with schizophrenia at your next appointment, spend time getting to know them as a person. Take a little bit of extra time to ask about their lives. And the more you do that, and the more you have engagement with people with schizophrenia, the less scared you'll feel of them. So I think this podcast has given us all a lot to think about. Even psychiatrists have mental health biases and stigma, um, and therapists do as well. This affects us as a population and as a culture. So we all have a lot to think about, and I hope everyone here has a nice day.